Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. When I created my company, Six Second Stories, and I set out on this mission to help purpose-driven companies and organizations tell their stories, I kept hearing the term B Corporation. Have you ever heard that? B Corporation. What's a B Corporation? 
My company is an S corporation. What's a B corporation? Well, if you aren't familiar, think Ben and Jerry's, think Patagonia, think Tom's, the shoe company. Well, now they make deodorant and all kinds of other stuff, but they, they, they make shoes and I think started off with shoes. But a B corporation is one that is, yes, focused on their profits. So that's how they differ from a nonprofit, but they're equally focused on three important bottom lines, the profits, but also the people and the planet. Well, today my guest is Eric Henry, the president of TS Designs, right in Alamance County up the road in North Carolina. And I'm almost so proud of my state for having them here, except that North Carolina doesn't officially recognize B corporations. For what reason, Eric and I do not know and cannot figure out. There's no liability to the state. Anyway... TS Designs was founded in 1977 as a small manual screen printing operation, and they are what's called, I think, a certified B corporation, even though North Carolina doesn't recognize it, but they've been on this tip for decades, for 40 years, well before it became trendy to care about people and the planet, which I'm sad that that has to be a trend, but it does. But this was a super cool conversation with a guy who has been walking the walk for decades this guy eric is awesome first of all just a country boy with a good heart and making making t-shirts for people and i actually got one of them but the coolest thing to me because obviously we aligned on the purpose driven tip but i didn't know how they would use stories and Man, they used storytelling in a way that I was not prepared for and has got to be the coolest, most interactive way to tell people about the shirt-making process and the clothes that they wear on their back. So I want you guys to hear it because it's awesome. Eric is awesome, and I had an awesome conversation with him. I'm going to stop talking now so you can hear it. Check it out. I just kind of want to jump into this. TS Designs is a B corporation. Is that right? We were the, we're, well, in North Carolina, we're a certified B corp. In, in North Carolina doesn't allow you to become a benefit corporation. Uh, we're one of the 37 states that doesn't allow it, but we're the first one in North Carolina to be certified. And I think there's like 40 some of us now. And we have been certified. I think we've been through three assessments. Hmm. Uh, but we joined the organization, I think we're like 50 companies in it. So, so back up a little bit and tell me exactly what that is. You already alluded to it, said it's a benefit corporation, but like to someone who hasn't even heard of this term, or you're starting to hear it a lot more now, which is good. What's a B corporation? Well, it's really a two-step process. Uh, step one is just an assessment of how you operate your business based on what I call a triple bottom line of people, planet, profit. Hmm. And uh, what the folks at B-Labs, which are based out of Philadelphia, have done has developed this online tool. Anybody can use it. It's free of charge. And it really is a deep assessment of how you operate your business. And then you, once you take that assessment, and it does take time, it takes effort, is um, you have to get at least 80 points. And if you get at least 80 points, then you actually are turned over somebody that then evaluates your answers and then we'll take a deeper dive. And the example I always like to use is we're a company of only 15 employees, but mm -hmm. we help our employees with health care. Mm -hmm. By law, we don't have to do that. It's basically 50, uh, 
50 employees more have to do something. So we basically get points for helping our employees with health care. Well, what I have to do when I go through that assessment, I have to give you the documentation that shows that's happening, you know, that there's an exchange of uh, funds going towards their insurance. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example. It could be, on, you know, people-related, environment-related. So anyway, you go through this assessment. Um, you're, you're, they evaluate your score again. Again, you got to be over 80. And if you're over 80, then you become a certified B corporation, mm-hmm. not a benefit corporation. The second part of this, which unfortunately has failed four times in North Carolina, uh, and I said North Carolina is now in a minority as states that don't recognize benefit corporations. North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee do recognize benefit corporations, uh, but North Carolina does not. So the plan is if they'll ever do that, then we would change our, uh, we are always getting mixed up, we are the uh, S Corp or C Corp, wherever we are, one of those. Right. We would change over to a benefit corporation. And it just makes no sense to me because from the standpoint of the state, it's net neutral for the state. It yeah. actually puts more responsibility on the business because once we become a benefit corporation, we have to agree. And it doesn't have to be the B-Labs assessment, but we have to agree to some type of third-party assessment on how we run our business beyond just profits. Yeah, that that was actually the next question I was going to ask you. Is like, why wouldn't the state of North Carolina approve it or be or be a part of that like what are the what's the what's the downside the disadvantage to to the state i've never found a logical <laughs> explanation uh, i've heard all kinds of crazy explanations <laughs> um everything from the first time we failed there was there was a thing that came out of the um in the early 90s called agenda 21 okay and there is a document out there called agenda 21 and it's basically un's kind of book on how do we address uh, the future in regards to energy depletion, population growth, all that type of stuff. So it's just kind of this roadmap. So unfortunately, some folks on the the right side of thing has spun that into some conspiracy theory right. that it's world order, whatever. So I was there during the first judicial committee. I could not believe that. You know, we're going to our last committee, and this well-dressed lady, well-spoken lady got, and I never heard of Agenda 21, so she got up and started speaking about this. And I just, you know, raised my hand. I said, does anybody do fact check? I mean, and again, this was years ago before we got into the fake news. Right. And it was all planned out because this lady was uh, from the uh, district of the guy that was the head of the uh, that particular committee. Uh-huh. So, in other words, it got tabled. And so it didn't happen. So if you fast forward to the fourth time, what happened is now, you know, that was when the re- Republicans had the supermajority in both House. Right. Uh, they just labeled this as some type, you know, uh, left wing, cons- you know, radical, uh, crazy idea. So they just kind of tabled <laughs> Something it. Something them hippies are doing. Yeah. And, and, it, and what was and it, the unfortunate thing is I was actually in Raleigh, you know, going around visiting our uh, uh, legislators. Yeah. And there was a, a lady that was traveling with us that day. She's similar to my age. Her son was out in either Seattle or Portland, and her son had lost a um, arm or leg in Afghanistan Iraq War. But he was going to set up a prosthesis business. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to set up his business right from the get go as a benefit corporation. And I looked over that legislator, I can't remember at the time. I says, "You just lost a business. Yeah. This guy wanted to come to North Carolina. You say you're you're business friendly. You just lost a business." 
A veteran business. <laughs> yeah, a veteran business. My once in again it makes no sense. I mean, it is again as I said earlier, it's a an option for the business. It's it's no loss to you know. There's no tax benefits or loss benefits to the state. It just makes no. And again, I had an opportunity. This was two years ago. I spoke on a panel for B Corps uh, in South Carolina, and at that time there might have been thirty some in North Carolina. There were two. Two in the whole state of South Carolina, but South Carolina recognizes benefit corporation, so it just makes no sense. Hmm. Uh, real quick, and, and what are some of the like big name B corporations that people that your everyday person would be familiar with? Just so I can I always, help. I always like to drop Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's ice cream. There you go. It's like three thousand of them now, something like. There's a lot of them, but those are two big names. That everybody yeah. Knows. So that just to, to help people understand exactly what it is, but I want to flip that coin over a little bit. You know, we were just talking about there's the disadvantage or perceived disadvantage that the government might have. You know, you alluded to this talking about the you know the extra responsibility is on the B corporation. So let me yes. ask you this: Why would you do it? Why would one want to start a B corporation versus an S corp? You know, considering that there is more responsibility uh, to do that? Like, what's what's the mission? What's pushing you behind that? I think twofold. And the reason we became a part of this community, and again, probably 10 years ago, is that, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you about the things we do at TS Designs. I mean, I could just be making up great stories, and I'm a great presenter of those stories. We wanted somebody that sits outside of TS Designs that validates what we say is true, i.e. help our employees with health care. Mm-hmm. And that also leads to the next thing. It brings you into a community of people that have that same belief. So when they have the annual champions retreat, you don't have to do that, but you're connected with a whole group of people that share that same belief and philosophy. So you're constantly, how do we improve and learn and move forward? Hmm. So it's concept. The second thing is not that it entails TS designs right now, but it may be down the road. Again, I'm not going to live forever. I'm looking at creating a worker-owned co-op as my transition plan. But for some, for instance, I, if I want to bring in outside investors, and uh, if we are a, a benefit corporation, then basically that gives me greater latitude on what we do with the profits. And mm-hmm. so if somebody's coming in as an investor, they know I have greater latitude. It's not always going to be returned for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. As they, And there's actually been court cases with uh, S corps and C corps where they took profits and they put them in other places and the shareholders sued them and yes. actually won because if you look, and again, not a lawyer here, but yeah. say, look at the way those are set up it is a maximized return for the shareholders. Yeah. And what benefit corporations allow you to do is greater latitude what to do with those money. So it sounds like it just basically to put it as simply as possible, like it puts people over profits. Exactly. Yeah. It bring, what I like to say is we, we run a business based on three P's. There's three people that sit on our board, the profit person, the planet person, and the people person. Mm-hmm. All three P's have a voice, have a vote. It's not always equal, but they're always represented. And, Unlike a typical corporation, it's just that one P of profits is there. And, and pro, but, but profit is still a goal and still, you know, still an objective. So um, like, exa- exactly. So here's another question. Why start a B corporation versus uh, a nonprofit? Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, I think, and again, I'm not being a lawyer here, but yeah. my, what first top of my head is that, again, if you're looking for investors, 
Um, mm. That's one thing. And then also, you know, and I'm involved with nonprofits, help start nonprofits. Sure, sure. But, but nonprofits, you're always, you know, you're, you're, where's that funding stream coming from? When the Dude. funding stream dries up, you're out of business. Yep. If you, if you have a viable triple bottom line business, then you have resiliency, you have mm -hmm. sustainability, you can you can grow and stay in the game longer. And again, nonprofits, for all for the great reasons, lose their funding source, yep. it's game over. Yeah, yeah, you're you're 100 right. And the nonprofit, we work with a lot of nonprofits when we're doing documentaries uh, uh, and video spots for them. And you know, what from what I see, uh, the ones that are successful generally, many of them operate like a business. And the ones that don't are the ones that struggle to keep funding in there. The ones that I've worked with that, that operate like a business, even though they're not, but still like in terms of structure, you know, those are the ones that seem to be su sustainable. Um, and then, and then a lot of the other ones, especially local ones who you know don't have big sources of of, of backing and funding, just kind of tend to operate from a, a you know this is cliche but like a scarcity mindset you know so they're scared to spend money because they don't have a lot of money on something like what I do I I do you know documentaries and video marketing for them which can help them get more you know funds and donors and donations but it's hard for them to take that risk and take that leap of faith because they're you know they don't have a lot of resources right and so they're always stretched thin there's one person trying to do everything and 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 a lot of them fail or or more often from my perspective a lot of them just kind of plateau and just kind of stay there and you know they do good work, but they, but in terms of the deep impact that they could have, so I think that you know to me it sounds almost like the best of both worlds. If you if you are driven by a purpose, which I think more and more people are, which is a great thing, and that's ultimately what led us to having this conversation today. But I think it's a it's a good um, alternative because many people that are just trying to do good for the world and don't a attack it like a business aren't sustainable, like you said. So. Uh, I'm glad that we're starting to see thousands of these B corporations emerge, and this being a new a new way um, for people to, to pursue their their passions. You know, if we can get all the states on board, I mean, this is a whole other conversation. If we want to talk about what in the hell's wrong with North Carolina, um, even though you and I, I can tell uh, you love it, and I'm I was born and raised here, so uh, I've moved yeah. away and 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 come back, and I love it too. Um, but man. You know, it makes you shake your head sometimes. Well, we're, we're definitely making progress in Raleigh. And yeah. Hopefully with the 2020, you know, if we can just get back the House or the Senate, it'd be great to get both of them. But just, you know, we, we, we're, we're, yeah, it is it is very disappointing to travel and mm -hmm. have to talk about things <laughs> like HB2 um, and why the state does the crazy stuff it does. So, but. But I feel like maybe the momentum's trying to shift, and um, it is. The conversations are happening. Yes. Yeah, big time. So, so TS Designs is an apparel company, or what? What are you mostly focused on? Oh, that's a long story. I mean, <laughs> the business has been around forty-three years. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. You've been there how many? Forty-one. Wow. I started while I was in NC State, nineteen seventy-eight. We started out just what we call as a high volume contract screen printer. Mm -hmm. So our clients were people like Nike, Tommy, Gat, Polo, employed over 100 people, fantastic business, got us in the location we're in now, 20,000 square foot building. The banks loved us, loaned us money. And then in 1994, when NAFTA was ratified, uh, within a 
about two year period of time, we had to lay off by 80% of our staff because the brands quickly moved overseas. Wow. And that's our realization. There's more to a business than a bottom line. Mm. And at that same time, I learned about for some friends on the um, West coast about benefit corporation. So we kind of hung our hat on that. And wait, wait, what year was this? Uh, NAFTA was in 94. So we struggled for about two years to figure out what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, we changed the vision when well, no, we changed the mission of the company to be a successful company while simultaneously looking after people, planet and profit. And this was and in the nineties. Yes. And we talked, man, that went right over people's heads. I can, you know, I can imagine you're coming right off the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> so basically all in profit. So, um, then the change, the vision of the company was we wanted to create the highest quality, most sustainable print apparel. So we developed a process, which we call Rehance, which to my knowledge, there's nobody in the world that does t-shirts the way we do. We print, then garment dye. I have to send you some sample shirts so you can see them done. Okay. So basically we got, again, a, uh, a print that's in the fabric, not on the fabric, doesn't crack, doesn't peel, you can iron it. And we totally and completely take shrinkage off the table. Because I have two facilities now, we have a, the main facility I'm talking to now, and then across town we have another facility that garment dyes T-shirts. So uh, while that was going on, again, now we're into the um, the later the later 90s, mm-hmm. and I learned about benefit corporations, and then we said, well, this is what we're going to hang our hat on because we, we want to look for something. A, how can we continue to improve ourselves? But we want to be in a group of businesses and like-minded people that believe in this triple bottom line philosophy. So um, what we continue to evolve. One thing I like to say about life and business, the one thing that's constant is change and we're constantly changing. Yeah. And we're more and more involved, you know, we're focused. I like to say domestic apparel manufacturing in a transparent supply chain, Mm. because one thing that's lacking, two things is lacking in the apparel industry. As I did a Ted talk a couple of years ago, 98% of the clothes we buy today are made overseas. Mm -hmm. And most people don't even look at the label and over the stuff's made. And the second thing, it's made overseas. You have no idea where it's made, who made it, or anything. That total opacity. So we have our first brand we developed was Cotton of the Carolinas, which we actually buy the cotton from the farmer. We convert that cotton dirt to shirt. We do it in 500 miles in a completely transparent supply chain. When I say transparency, I connect the consumer to the farmer, the jenner, the spinner, the knitter, the finisher, the cut and sew by picture, phone number, physical address and email, you can go see our supply chain. I don't know any other brand that does that. Um, so we continue to, as I like to say, um, we're very involved in our domestic supply chain at different places, at different parts. But we want to make it here because we, ha- we have a saying, if you go outside of your market for product or service, your market delivery, you're cheating the system. We can grow cotton here. We can basically produce apparel here. We ought not to do that, mainly because it costs more money. It benefits a few, hurts a lot. Hmm. So, um, and again, I have lots of saying in a long, long time. You know, sustainability is a journey, not a destination. So we continue. You know, how do we make a better product? How do we tell a better story? How do we have better transparency? So our latest brand we're coming out with is Solid State Clothing, which actually we developed a unique QR code. And with phones now, as soon as you click on the the camera, it will pick up that QR code. Hmm. It will you into the supply chain and again it'll connect you basically with a map and the people and I'll send you links to this uh, the map and the people in the supply chain and 
you know, we just won't, it's not a question that's right or wrong. Yeah. It's just giving people the information and the apparel industry does not want to do that. So that's wild. So you give them a, a QR code where they can track basically the whole process. Exactly. That's bananas. Our, our vision with that is eventually want the consumer to be able to participate with the QR code. You know, if you wear it to hike Mount Everest, if you give the shirt away, again, we want to continue. To, if you want to do that, it's completely on the consumer to do that. But the main thing that we're doing, we've developed this platform that, a matter of fact, the, the hat that I'm wearing today is a prototype of a, uh, a wool beanie that we're hoping to bring out first of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, basically cheap to beanie, but it'll be completely in the U.S., and we'll do that same. So it'll be a little QR tag on the side here. So you snap that code, uh-huh. you know, take you all the way back, you know, where the sheep came from, and then takes you all the way through the supply chain till it gets this, you know, on my head. You could probably use one too because it works for people with not much hair. Yeah, buddy, I'll take one. Uh, so, yeah. so I want to learn more about that. So, okay, so it tracks back what happened in the past. But yeah. then you said something you were kind of talking about. If I wanted to climb Everest, are you saying that I can also enter data into like the future of of that article of clothing? Yeah, it, we it's it's in work right now. It's not available. But nicely, what you can do with QR codes is once you have this shirt or you have yeah. this hat, then you you'll be able to go into the website and claim ownership of that, and then you can basically do whatever you want to. You can become very active. You know, I wear my hat every day, or I gave my hat away, or whatever you want to wow. do with it. You, what we want to do is really blend you know uh bleed blend that's what i want to say between you know the start to the finish and really bring them those two together okay so i'm i'm blown away here because uh you know we've been talking about this you know people over profits and this purpose driven company that 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 you've been a part of for a long time the show is the storytelling lab so what i do is is i help people learn how to connect and build communities and fulfill their purpose and their missions by sharing stories. I already know that, that you understand the value of stories. You've already kind of talked about it, but what I'm, what I'm kind of bugging out about right now is, you know, I I didn't know that this conversation was going to go this direction, but like you're, (laughs) it's amazing. You're building the story of the product and you're letting the consumer be a part of that story. And I've never thought about, that before i mean it's been that kind of thing has been done you know michael pollan is you know trace trace the the, exactly but to put the consumer into the story it's like interactive it's almost like gamifying it in a way which is bananas and i uh i want to learn more about that but that's just such a unique i love having different guests on here we don't just talk about like a written story we talk about all the ways that we can use storytelling and the art and science of storytelling to connect with people and to, to pr- pursue our, our passions and, and help make the world a better place. And so, like I told you before we started, a lot of our clients who I, who I work with are nonprofits and, and purpose-driven companies, um, hopefully hopefully some B corporations. But anyway, I'm, I'm just blown away by that. So let me um, pause and bask in that for a second because that's just uh, an amazing uh, way to utilize the power of storytelling that I haven't really seen before. So I'm, I'm proud of you for that one. And it's clear to me since you've done the TED talk, I know you've been on other podcasts and you're involved in the marketing for TS designs, correct? Yes. That you understand the power of sharing that story too. So can, how have, how would you say you've used storytelling to either, you know, continue to grow the company or build, it sounds more like building the community around uh, who's involved with this. No question. Well, let me back up 
mm-hmm. what I like to say is that, you know, our biggest competition is not another company. Our mm. competition is price. You know, mm. at, that's, at the end of the day, and that's my one of the biggest jobs I do is when I talk to a new client and, I, you know, to see if it's going to be a good match. You know, I want to see where they are. You know, understand they can't pay, you know, $100 for a T-shirt. I got that. Right. But if they're only focused on price, then I really can't have much of a conversation with them. And right. again, it's not a question of what's right or wrong. It's just not us. Yeah. And so what I do is I'll quickly say, you know, you need to go see X, you go see Y. There's other people in the industry who do a good job. But if you do have a care beyond profits, and it could be a planet care, it could be a people, it could be a common, if you have some co- values beyond, we have a, we can have a conversation. We have lots of options, a lot of ways to plug you into that. So as we say, we say our best customer is an educated customer. Hmm. So like in this, just this last week, I had a group of students from UNC, a group of students from NC State. I love engaging with young people. Mm-hmm. Because what I tell these young people is I'm the generation that broke a lot of stuff that you have to fix. You know, you can talk from, you know, from climate change to, um, you know, income inequality to healthcare to education. All it happened under our watch. So what can we do? So really engagement age and said, you know, hopefully giving them information and one of my my key points the takeaway is that you know sometimes these problems of climate change work and just become so undaunting you know what do you what do you want to do big time and i said B, you and i have an opportunity every day to make a decision because we, we buy a cup of coffee we buy a new shirt we, you know we're engaging on the monetary side we understand cost right but we understand that cost doesn't represent the true cost what i call negative external cost mm-hmm. so if you start asking your yourself the question what is the social environmental impact of when you buy the coffee or the new share web you just start engaging yourself with that you'll be more connected to your community you'll be more aware of your decision you'll make better decisions and that will all benefit from that so i think i got way off your your no your it's question. okay you, you're still with it because ultimately what you're talking about is what i understand the power of storytelling is it's building communities but it's also connecting with people by being relatable to them and it ain't going to be everybody right, right. so what you're t- what what you're saying essentially or effectively is that w- when you tell your story it's going to resonate strongly with the people who are, are receptive to, the, to that and looking for that and if they're not if they can't relate to that and that's not what what fuels them then that's not your customer and that's okay right. you know but the way that we continue to build this community because here's here's the opportunity that I see for someone like you and, and, and for a company like yours is that for the person, like if I'm buying a shirt and I'm not even thinking about that because I'm just thinking of like, does it look good? Does it feel good? And what does it cost? But then if, if I see someone share a story about, you know, like your company and why you do what you do, that gives me the chance, that gives me more information to make that decision off of that I didn't have before that. So right. if, if I'm the type of person that that would resonate with, that would probably influence my action. If I'm not, then it's I'm right where I was. But if I am continuing to tell the stories of, of, of people that can actually create a product here that's sustainable and doing a lot more, you know, doing better for the the um, the earth than its competitors, then you know people will support that. But but you got to share those stories so that the people, you know, the people hear it. And, and I can assure you, pretty much ninety nine point nine percent of our customers have some value set beyond just 
profit because, again, there's a lot of places they could get T-shirts done a lot cheaper. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's connecting with them, finding out what their interest is, again, delivering a quality product on time. But but just it, it's and it, the nice thing about those relationships, when you look at building relationships beyond just profit, then we do have those challenges of quality or delivery or mm-hmm. the customer. There's the relationship is so much deeper than just your PO and a price and somebody can do it cheaper. Right. Uh, the, a cool story side yesterday, just yesterday when I had these group of NC State students come over. Mm-hmm. Um, they were from the School of Textile, mm-hmm. and their specialty or concentration was on supply chain management. So we'll talk about our supply chain. And again, I, we talk about a domestic supply chain in a transparent way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the advantage of domestic manufacturing, you, you're connected to the people in your supply chain then jumping on a plane and flying half right away around the world. And, you know, it's just, again, your PO or your email. The, the time I was talking is, sure enough, one of our suppliers that we buy our dyes, that we dye our T-shirts with, that lives in North Carolina, just happened to stop by our facility and, you know, just paid a visit. And I said, that's the nice thing about when you're dealing with a local supply chain, too. The connection goes so much deeper. I said, Kent is the guy's name. I said, you know, he gives us a good price. Could I get cheaper dyes? No question. I'm yeah. sure I could go out there and find it cheaper. But the relationship I have with Ken, we sit down here, we talk about things, we work on things. And so he's going to be, you know, he knows he's going to make, you know, a profit off of me. But I know he's going to be there when I need him to help me beyond just, you know, buying dyes for him. So a really drive into these young people's minds, it's the relationship goes beyond just a purchase order. And stop chasing what happened with the brand. How can we get it cheaper, 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 cheaper? And that's why we end up with you know the, the places in the world we got today. And ultimately, I mean, you're speaking my language because ultimately this is this deepening of the connection and the relationships is exactly the themes and concepts that I'm always talking about when I'm doing workshops on storytelling. It's the same thing that we're trying to achieve, connecting with those people on a deeper you know, it's, it's beyond transactional, right? It's, it's transcendental. It's like really, it's here really connecting with them. And that's how we're going to affect change in the world, whether it's through business or or whatever we're doing. Um, what kind of marketing do, do you all use? I know that you've got a pretty good social media following. Is that something that has been important to you, uh, for a while? Oh, that's, that's always interesting. Again, when you talk to these, um, young students, I said, you know, I started a business, you know, before, cell phones before even fax machines, much less computers. <laughs> there was a period of time where the most powerful salesperson around was the guy that sells yellow page ads. Hmm. You know, he would schedule that appointment a year in advance and we would sit in, in not this conference and just really, you know, what ads are we going to be in? What towns are we going to do a two inch or three inch? I mean, literally spend thousands, but again, somebody in Durham would not know about TS designs one for yellow page ad. Right. So fast forward to today, my gosh, the platform is unbelievable. You know, in the social, you know, social media, you know, the web page presence. Um, I mean, there's, you just, you've got to be in all those different areas, uh, at least making some presence. That's why on the earlier emails, there's a lady, her name is Amy Default. Sure. And she's out of um, Cape Cod and she handles all our communication social media. And again, nice thing about that, she doesn't have to be local, yeah. uh, but very connected to the sustainable apparel business, mainly through the, you know, the New York side yeah. of the world. 
So uh, she does a phenomenal job with us. So we we basically on call once a week, where we're always exchanging emails and stuff. So we you know we basically have to play on all the platforms. Let me ask you this: this value that you have of transparency that you use in your operations and you know letting people understand the whole the whole chain and the whole process is that a value that is also threaded through your marketing are you are you you know do you open up and kind of show people behind the curtains when you're um there're no curtains <laughs> i mean literally if you would come to TS designs like i've had these students and they'll always ask me when I'm going to take them around. They says, can we take pictures? Said, of course you can take pictures. Mm-hmm. And I'll even go one step further. I will answer any question you ask me. If I don't have the answer, I will get you that. There are no secrets. I'll yeah. take you any place you want to go to. I'll ask it, answer anything you want to, or I will get you. I mean, we believe in complete transparency, literally complete transparency. So, because um, I just think that's just, that's how you, A, build trust. But also that's how you learn because again we are not a perfect company. We have we make our mistakes, we have our shortfalls. But if you don't know what they are, then how are you going to help me identify and improve? So uh, we are we are an open book. That's one thing that I've, I'd said earlier. My vision for TS Designs long term is become a worker on co-op. Uh, that's going to be my transition plan. I bought my business partner out about three years ago, and that was we we're kind of that junction of the road. We could either shut it down. Mm-hmm. Who's years older than I was and just, you know, call it quits. And I said, I enjoy what I'm doing. But I said, my last chapter wants to be a worker on co-op. So what we are doing now, and hopefully I'm going to bring somebody in the first of the year, to help is, is start giving our employees more meaningful information so they know how the business is doing, so they can determine what success or failure looks like, instead of giving an income statement or balance sheet, which would just not make sense to most of them. Yeah. But start really you know, getting them more involved in the operational side of the business. But I can't think of a, a better group of people to sell a business to than the people that we've got five folks here been over 25 years. So, uh, and so basically you know, they'd have a percentage of ownership of the company. Yeah, eventually I would be, you know, bought out. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it'd be a transition. It's usually a long period of time. Hopefully I'll be able to work. I enjoy what I'm doing for many more years, but eventually they, you know, would, would buy me out. And eventually I would just go away instead of, you know, the, Typically what happens, and I was at a lunch the other day talking about the big, the baby boomer thing and about the, the number of businesses, you know, that were started by my generation mm-hmm. that are small, that do not have a transitional plan, mm. and so they just fade away. So you either fade away or you bring in a, you know, I'm sure we could go out and tell a story and bring in an investor or investors, but then you're bringing people inside the business that don't truly understand the DNA of the business. And again, maybe no fault of their own, but they could take the business a completely different direction. And the direction to be cited by the people that have put, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in this facility, not somebody just that, you know, bought their mission ticket to come in mm-hmm. and then said, we're going to go a different direction. So that's a, a big thing for 2020. To get to, We've had a couple of false starts for, for mainly internal reasons with the business, but I'm really got to focus down on, you know, how we start making this transition happen. And and what's the timeline for that look like? When are you going to, you're trying to do that in the next couple of years, you said? Well, I, I would like to have a plan in place the next couple of years. I, I'm yeah. now at the young age of 63. Uh, I said, knock on wood, healthy. I like what I'm doing. I want to yeah. do it. So hopefully I'll, I've maybe got another 10 years. This time. I won't be as long as I can, mm-hmm. but you know, we, we not going to live forever. So what, what is that trend? So I've got, you know, I got to get cracking on this thing. It's um, it will be high on the list next year. Where did this 
desire to, you know, try to make the world a better place or live more sustainably, where did that come from in within you? Well, I get that question asked a lot. Do you? Um, yeah, I can't really pinpoint it to one particular thing. I, I, it's just luck of life. Because if um, you were having these conversations about B Corporation in the mid-90s, yeah. you know, there was something driving you, like... Look, it's a good thing that that it's trendy that people are becoming more socially conscious, environmentally conscious in their business efforts. Mm-hmm. I love it, but it is it is trendy now or becoming mm-hmm. trendy. You were doing it when nobody, like you said, it went over right. those people's heads. So there's there was something inherent that was you know that was within you that was kind of pushing you to like, look, I can have a successful business and try to make the world a better place simultaneously. And, and I think if you know there are a couple moments in life that triggered things um, from the planet perspective. That was at a very early age. Uh, I grew up in Burlington. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my dad actually worked for Burlington Industries. My mom was a couple different jobs uh, in her career. But for some reason, I got interested in vegetable gardening. And we mm-hmm. lived in downtown Burlington. So I had a small vegetable garden behind the house. Uh, my grandfather and I built a greenhouse. But this was at the same time that, you know, it was pretty much organic by default. We didn't yeah. have all the, yeah. the insecticides and pesticides. And I, I always remember, I got used to get this book called Organic Garden Digest or something, like a Reader's Digest. And then about that same time, and again, now I'm, God, where am I, um, early teenager. And there's this thing came out, and you still buy it, they called Seven Dust. It's this white powder yeah, dust. I'm familiar. And it was like this miracle thing that would take care of all your diseases and pests, but then it would kill everything. And I just kind of triggered something. I can't be good. I mean, I'll, yes, it makes what I'm doing, you know, companion gardening and all this stuff makes it a lot easier because you sprinkle some of the stuff on here. You don't have to worry about all that. But it didn't. I think that just kind of clicked. There's just something wrong with, you know, taking the easy way out of it and killing it. So that was, I guess, my first introduction to understanding the connection to the planet to the earth is basically yeah. in through the soil in the small garden uh the people side and again that it's not one of those lucky things is my business partner and i just came to the table and he was also from burlington we just always had to care for our people i mean we That's looked at awesome. people our most valuable asset what can we do we've always had some type of retirement plan some type of uh insurance plan but you know they are, you know, and that was just kind of built in, again, our DNA. When he started business a few years before I came on board, so 43 years ago. But how can we help our employees do a better job, be more productive for us, but then have a better quality of life? So that, then the, the, what B Corp, well, and then where we're all galvanized is, you know, we had those components in the background when, before NAFTA. You know, mm-hmm. we care we about people. But the Nikes and the Tommies and the Gap, they didn't give a, they didn't give a crap about that. Mm-hmm. But it, it was fine because we were only competing in the U.S. and we were very competitive. So we could do our thing yeah. and still get business, still make money. But soon as NAFTA just crushed our business and the brands left, I said, man, there's something else out there beyond the bottom line. It's got to be because I did everything everybody told me to do. Bust your ass. Work like hell. And, you know, it'll come back to you. And I mean, pretty much it, it was taken away overnight. Yeah. It's got to be something. So that was the whole started thinking about the early people. That would be the uh, 
uh, Amory Lovins, the Paul Hawkins. There were some early, early people that wrote these books. Natural Capitalism was Paul Hawkins' book mm. about you know, the, the business responsibility to the planet. So I started reading those books, and then again, we, we changed the mission statement. I said earlier, and this was uh, probably about 96, 97, uh, to be a successful company, simultaneously at People, Planet, Profit. And then I got introduced to the B Corp folks, and then it's just you know, one that led to another. But I think it is the only way to run a business. And what gives me hope for the future is when you talk to these young people, they look at our generation and say, first of all, I don't want any of that part. And they want that there's 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 got to be more to it than just the product or the the style. I want to yeah. know. Same. I was about to say the same thing. It gives me a lot of faith and a lot of hope in the next generations, which gets shit on a lot, right? Like uh, the millennials and Gen Z get, get, get kind of picked on, but yeah. the values that I see a lot of them have, they care about these sort of things. And when I'm helping people with storytelling, I have to, to teach them to be vulnerable and be transparent, which is hard because I think the days of kind of playing both sides of the fence and not taking a stance as a company are gone. Like if if these new generation, these younger generations, they care about what you stand for as a company, you know, they do. And so even when I first started my career, I'm technically a millennial, but like on the elder side of that, um, I was born in 82, but even when I first started my business in like 2005 and six, it was, you know, you you always were kind of taught to keep business and personal life separate, you know. But I think those those days are are gone, and uh, it's clear that you are you're a trendsetter, my friend. You were on this a long, long time ago. So um, I, I don't have much more time, and I know you've got to get back to it as well. But I just wanted to ask, uh, since we're talking about the next generation, and you were talking about uh, your time this week with NC State students and UNC students, what would you like to convey to? to the next generation that's coming up now. You've been a part of this fight for four decades, you know, in this one position. I mean, you've probably been doing it longer than that. You know, what's what would you like to impart on them? What's a lasting message that you would like the youth to hear? And I say to them a lot is, at the end of the day, you and I are the most powerful influencer in today's society because again when you're talking to those students they're coming from uh, a good education they have probably a good place to live they'll eat a good meal I mean, we're, we're at the top of the pyramid and we have a responsibility at the top of the pyramid is just be aware of our impact that we're making mm-hmm. and you've constantly got to be asking yourself what the impact is and it's not a perfect world at the example i give these kids i said right down the road for me there's a Wendy's, and mm-hmm. probably once or twice a month, I'm going to end up at Wendy's because I know if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to have a headache, and I'm going to feel horrible the rest of the day, and I'm not performing. But I know when I go in that Wendy's, first of all, I've already run to I don't want to know about the life of this cow. I know that person is pr- probably paying a minimum wage and not a living wage. Uh, I'm, You know, it's just all these things. I'm not helping my body with the food I'm eating here. So don't beat yourself up if you end up buying that nice sweatshirt you want, it's made in China. Don't beat yourself up you end up one day eating a cup of coffee and that stuff. But just be aware of what you're doing because I assure you, if you're aware of those things you're doing, you will you will make less and less of those decisions. Because example I finished up with, I said I travel a lot. God knows the impact I have with travel. But back to small things, you're, you're queued up in that Starbucks line and rarely ever do I see anybody else in that line with a... Um, 
some type of reusable container. They're getting all that crap that's going to end up in the trash. And that's, again, Starbucks cups aren't going to save the world, but it's little things like that that if we all get behind will have big impacts. So just don't get so intimidated by these big challenging problems like climate change got, but just be aware of your impact you can have every day. And just, just ask every day you have a, a choice and you and because of where you are in life, you have an opportunity to make different choices. Some people don't. If you're on your last dime, any food's good. That that diet coke will work if it's all you got. But when you have opportunity, you have choice, and you're given that privilege, don't waste it and take advantage of that to make you know make the world a better place. Man, Eric, I, I, I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate your time and I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. And I love that you are just right down the road in Alamance County. It makes me ha- happy. As I will. I will. I'm, uh, I'm in Durham, so I'm not, I'm not far away. And I lived, uh, I have a house, um, in Chatham County. So I'm right, right up, uh, 54 and I can be there in no time. Oh, uh, I, I may, I'm sure you've been to Saxaba Hall. Oh, absolutely. I live, I'm in snow camp. Uh-huh. So we're about miles away so i mean so definitely meet there and i'm sizing you up for about a size medium t-shirt you're on it yeah <laughs> so uh I'll, if i got i'll double check make sure you're dressed now i'll shoot you an email to get that but i'm gonna send you a solid state you can see how the tracking is work so let's continue this conversation absolutely. i appreciate reaching out to me absolutely brother i appreciate you man have a great day it was nice chatting with you okay take care What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 